Hey, hey, welcome to Moments with Nderu podcast, a space where you'll be encouraged, uplifted, and inspired. For those who have been listening to this podcast for a while, now you can watch it on YouTube or Instagram. So today's guest is called Shayvon, and she was born in Zimbabwe and has been living in Australia for the past 15 years. She accepted Jesus Christ at a tender age of 21 years old. Her ultimate desire is to do the will of God and to make God proud. With a strong passion for women and particularly women in ministry, she finds fulfillment in answering complex Bible questions, preaching and teaching the word in its simplicity. Welcome on to the show, Shevon. Thank you so much for having me i'm very very excited it's so exciting to be on your show today i've been listening i'm excited i can't even express how excited i am honestly first of all thank you so much for listening and before we get into the word or the topic that we chose for this conversation so what does a zimbabwean girl find her way to australia how does that happen take us from that moment when you were born in zimbabwe and then you find yourself in australia oh gosh so i didn't have any plans to me the outside world was not something i would ever think to look for so i was content in zimbabwe i really was i was going to school i was focused on school that's literally the only thing that was my my class like that was my focus was education so the opportunity came and my mom just said I want us to move to New Zealand and then it was Australia and then it was England and I was like I I'm focused on schoolwork I have no business dealing with any other foreign countries right now and then she moved to Australia and then we moved like a year later and it was like I was not prepared because I had no what Australia would be like so when we finally got there here I had no plans I had no idea I was still about 15 years old I did not know my left for my right I was quite sheltered I'd say in Zimbabwe because everything was just schoolwork oriented and now here in Australia you have to be a bit more independent so they said you have to get a job I was like I'm 15 <laughs> I have to get a job at 15. You got to get a job. You got to start learning how to drive. There were so much more things that I had to discover myself as we moved here. And it was just a learning curve for me. I can't say I was prepared for it, but growing up in Zimbabwe, I think I was very sheltered. I knew what my plans were, were just to be good at school. But then all of a sudden, everything was just wiped out from behind, like beneath me. And then now I'm in a foreign country. I'm one of three or four black people in my school. And I look different. I'm acting different. My accents than myself, if that makes sense. It truly makes sense. When you, you realize that you're the only um, African or Black person in the room, it's like, how am I going to navigate this? So how did you navigate it? And how did you embrace the new chapter of your life? Oh, gosh, it wasn't easy. I'm not going to say I just snapped into it and I was you know, intuitive and I just understood a lot of the things I had to discover for myself something so simple as catching the bus because you have to get a little card you have to swipe it no one had to teach me that I had to figure that I got on the bus 
us and I asked questions. So I would ask the bus driver, I'm so sorry, it's my first time catching a bus. What do I do? And luckily, by God's grace, I was in a place where people are friendly. So they were willing to teach me. And I would ask questions at school because I had a young girl befriend me and she would show me certain things, something so simple as the, the money. You know, I had to ask a lot of questions and some parts were uncomfortable because I think change is never comfortable. Change sometimes has to be uncomfortable. And I was very uncomfortable the first maybe three years. I was going through puberty in a foreign country, <laughs> learning about myself. I'm different. But I had to start getting used to being uncomfortable. The hardest part about that was getting used to being uncomfortable. And there are certain times where I still feel like that 15-year-old girl. But I think about what I've learned since then. I've grown up a lot. But growing up without anyone to guide me. But just life itself. You know, it was different. I think in Zimbabwe, I would have my parents guide me. Oh, you do this, you do that. I'm coming home and telling them what I'm learning. Because... We're having to learn how to catch a bus or learning how to pay for stuff or count this money or where you buy school uniforms from this place. So it was all just asking the right questions helped a lot. But it was, gosh, it was quite interesting. Can't lie. <laughs> Definitely interesting. So you mentioned change is uncomfortable. And one of the things that God does when we accept him into our lives is change our lives. And sometimes, maybe not sometimes, most of the times, turns our lives upside down. So could you take us through how you surrendered your life to Christ and how it has been, you know, just embracing his will for your life and allowing yourself to be uncomfortable in the changes that he puts in your life? Giving my life to Christ, I had to think about it the other day, was it yesterday? And I had to remind myself what that was like. I think sometimes you have to go back to the basics to remind myself of where God's brought me from and I was comfortable. I started getting used to everything, but my mom started going to this particular church. And I, in Zimbabwe, I went to a Catholic school, so I'd heard about God, but I always used to sit in, in the mass at the Catholic church that was connected to my school and just think, there's got to be more to God than this. Like, it's very regimented. You know, and I just thought, like, come on, like, we're all unique. I'd look around in my school. I think we're all unique. It can't be the same. So when I came to Australia, I had questions, but no one asked. And literally God turned my life upside down. I went to this particular church and they were lovely. But then I turned 18. I wanted to discover the world now, discover myself in the world, I should say. So I started drinking, partying, you know, doing everything that was not, you know, the norm that I was used to because I was very schoolwork, this, this. I did everything my parents asked me until I was 18. Then I was like, I'm going to discover myself. And there was a moment when... I talked to one of my friends who brought me to church and he said, I tell him about God and, and I would share about God. And then there was a moment where I just stopped believing. It's like almost two years of not believing God at all. No prayer, no Bible, nothing. And then he started preaching to me. And if you saw this guy, he was like, I mean, a rough kind of person and, you know, was into drugs and all this so I was just like how are you preaching to me just a few months ago I was telling you about God and then he said I'm outside your house I'm here to pick you up for church I had been out clubbing I was hungover and then I walked outside but I'm thinking he said McDonald's because I was still you know drowsy so I was thinking we're going to eat eat off the hangover we get to this building there's a man with a white suit all white suit and he says oh morning 
this, this is not a food place. It's a Sunday. Why is there a man in a white suit greeting us? And I walked in. When God turned my life outside down, it was the message. I'd been searching for someone to bring the word of God to life. I believed that God was alive, but what I'd read and heard about him seems like he was a, an old man somewhere up in the sky and he wasn't alive. And I remember the pastor was preaching about Goliath and he said, you uncircumcised Philistine. I was like, what is going on? And I got so excited and I didn't know what being Christian was, didn't know what any of that meant. He said, do you want to give your life to Christ? Now to someone who's never heard that, that sounds something like what? I, I wasn't sure what it meant, but I just said, yes. My friend literally pushed me into this pastor and said, she does. And I was like, oh yeah, I do. Life changed in a split second. There was a shift because before that I was just so down. I was very depressed. It was a void. And I'd been searching since I was 15 for something to fill that void and nothing did it. And in that second, I just remember feeling different. Like the hangover was gone. The need for lust for alcohol was gone in that very second. Like God changed my life completely. That is such an amazing testimony. Honestly, you know, it says in Revelations 12.10 that we overcome him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. So that's a powerful testimony. And I just want to thank you for sharing that. So now you've received Jesus Christ in your life. He's removed all these fleshly desires from you. How then do you get to know that you have a purpose and step into it bravely and courageously? It's a great question. I think it was a bit different for me because I went to this church and it was fairly small when it started. And the pastor used to tell me my purpose. And I was maybe what, 21? To me, that sounded like foreign. I had no idea what he was talking about. To me, it really did not make sense because my purpose was academics. I was going to be, you know, top of my class at university. I was going to make it in life. And he's telling me this God-given purpose. I didn't even know the Bible. I, I think if I remember correctly, I knew two scriptures and it was John 3, 16 and Philippians 314 I think it was and I knew nothing and you're telling me this huge purpose and I just felt overwhelmed sometimes because I was like I looked at my life I looked at how little I knew of God and then he's telling me all these big things that God's going to do with my life so yes he told me but now we're like maybe 10 years later and only I started to discover my purpose in God because I looked at it like if God created me I have to go back to the creation to find out why he made me. I can't ask, a chair can't ask another chair, why are we created as chairs? They've got to go back to the carpenter and say, carpenter, why did you make me? What was my purpose? Because the purpose predates the formation. So if I was formed in my mother's womb, he knew I had a purpose before my parents did. So I can't ask my parents. I couldn't ask my pastors. I couldn't ask, you know, the next person next to me. I had to go to God and ask him, why am I here? Because I knew what I wanted to do with my life, but it was opposite of what he wanted me to do. And it was uncomfortable. Again, that feeling of it's opposite of my plans. But I think there's many plans that we have, but the plans and purposes of God will always prevail because he knows what he wants us to do. So there was this, I always call it the refining process. There was this grinding process I went through. I call it the, the threshing hold of affliction. I was just 
constantly just going through these refining and pruning because I came from the world. I look at it like I was this really rough and dirty piece of gold. And he has to constantly prune me until I become out pure as gold, like Job says. And it's only in the last, I would say, three, maybe four years, I fully become conscious of my purpose. It became second nature to walk in it rather than to try to remember what my pastor said because he didn't create me. Yes, he was speaking on behalf of God, but I kept remembering what God said because that's the only way I was going to fully fulfill it. And it's been a process. I'll say it's been a process of finding my purpose and refining my purpose. Sometimes I'll lose track, but the scripture says that you'll hear a voice saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. And there's a scripture I found in Colossians. I was going to read it because it literally defines my whole discovery of purpose. And it's Colossians 1.16 in the message version. And it says, for everything, absolutely everything above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels. This is the key part that when I read it, it explained my life. Everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. So I know I'm born for a purpose. I knew that God had created me for a purpose, but it couldn't come from anyone else but him. They could refine it. They could define it, but only he can give me the guidance to how to fully fulfill it. And there are certain times that I kept trying to fill it through the eyes of other people, you know, through my mentors or people I'm inspired by. And he kept telling me, you're not functioning from an authentic place. You're trying to be like your, the people you're inspired by but a chair is different. Each chair is different. I, I buy a lot of, you know, marble pieces. Each marble piece is different. So how can they be two of the same? You know, God didn't create me to be a replica, but a unique person, you know, because I have a unique purpose. So it's been, it's been a process of refining and defining my purpose for the past few years. You know, that word process, it, for me, it's usually just you know, sometimes I'm just like, why can't we just short circuit it, you know, take a shortcut and just skip that whole process because it can be long and it can be tiring and it can be sometimes because we don't know what lies ahead. We are just following his guidance. It can be quite discouraging, but obviously the Holy Spirit um, encourages us along the way. How would you encourage someone to endure the process? Because the process as you've mentioned, is refining. And refining isn't pleasant. When you're grinding um, maize or corn to become flour, or for other countries would say flour, that grinding is not, is not um, what's the word, gentle. It's rough, it's hard. Yeah. So how would you encourage someone to embrace the process that includes refining, that includes crushing, that includes a lot of pain? I think my favorite story when I started to learn about the word of God was Job. And if the way I read Job, he went and lost everything in one day. I've never gone through enough of the refining process to lose everything in one day. Yet Job did not curse God. His wife said, won't you curse God and die? And he said, you foolish woman. <laughs> you know, he believed and he strongly believed regardless of what his physical pain was, God was greater. And then I went into the New Testament because I said, okay, Old Testament is great. So let me go into the New Testament. And I read about Paul and Paul would boast in his weaknesses. So I started to realize that those uncomfortable places sometimes birth purpose. 
during the refining process, I had a sick mother who's since passed away, but I had a sick mother most of my life. And now I have to pray. I have to be strong. I have to be the, I'm the youngest, but I'm having to do more than I thought. I thought my life would be very comfortable. Like my friends, you know, I had to realize that pain sometimes is a, is like a, a stepping stone for our purpose. I now have a passion for the sick that I may not have had, had my life never seen anyone sick or afflicted. So I think sometimes we think, God, I want to get out of this refining process and I get it. But sometimes when we stick with it, it breeds this deep desire for, for seeing other people come out of that situation. My prime example is Paul. Paul went from persecuting the Christians to being one of the people who wrote most of the New Testament because of his passion through the pain birthed that purpose so it's uncomfortable but I think God needs us to get uncomfortable and be comfortable getting uncomfortable because if we're too comfortable we're not in the right purpose there's nowhere in the Bible that God says I want you to be comfortable and relaxed he's saying I want you to run your race I've been an athlete when I was in school and I did I loved athletics but I wasn't the fastest. When you're getting to that last leg, you're exhausted, you're sweaty, you're tired, you have no more energy and it's a race. You got to keep going. So whoever is trying to discover their purpose or walk in their purpose as a, and is in a, an uncomfortable place, you're, you're like as they do with the old olden days when they would you know sort of crush the grapes and it would breed you know, new wine. It's an uncomfortable place, but the sweetness after is what you're looking for. You have to look unto Jesus, the author and perfect of your faith, because unless you look at Jesus, you will fail. He's the only one that keeps you going because I can't express how hard some of the situations I've been in. And sometimes I wanted to give up, but there was just this stamina that would come from the weakness. And Paul says it, he says, I boast in my weakness because when I am weak, you are strong. And when you read the scriptures, don't go through the scriptures as, you know, I want to find the good stuff and only the, the scriptures that comfort me. I want to find the scriptures that really relate to what I'm going through and remind me that, yes, you have a purpose, but it might not come through just the mountaintop. Sometimes I'm going to have to go through the valley. I had to be realistic with it, that maybe my purpose is not going to be as smooth as others. I would see other Christians and I'm just like, but they seem so you know, it seems so easy for them. And God had to remind me, maybe the reason you love Job is because you relate to the struggles, but the struggles bred purpose. And I think some things that last with God have to go through the, that threshing floor of affliction, the lasting things of God, because you're tested. And that's why Job said, I came up pure as gold, because he was really refined and tested. So anyone who's going through it, keep going, you know, Look unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. If God created you for a purpose, he has the ability to sustain you in order for you to fulfill your purpose. The sustenance doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It just means that God's going to be with you. There's a scripture I was reading. I don't know if I wrote it down, actually. I think I had it open the other day and I was reading about how he says, though, I think it's Psalms 23, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We always quote it as God is walking with me, but we forget the location was the shadow of death. As long as God's with me, I'll keep walking. Yeah. So I keep reminding myself of these scriptures. So having those memory verses is important. Beautiful. 
you know, I used to read James 1, consider it all joy when you go through all kinds of persecution. And I'll be like, no, mm -mm, no, thank you. No, 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 I don't want, I don't want it. <laughs> but as, as you've said, even though you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, God is with you. He hasn't forsaken you or forgotten you. What would you tell your younger self, what you know now? What would you tell her if she was seated across you right now? I think I would give her a hug. That's the first thing I would do. Because I think my younger self felt like I was everyone's savior. So every time I would see, you know, my mother sick, I felt like I could be the one to cure her. So I tried, I always say I tried to take the Holy Spirit's job. He's the helper. And I tried to take his job. So I would put myself under so much stress. So I would first give my younger self a hug and tell her, that's not your job. That is the Holy Spirit's job to help. I can't solve everyone's problems. And I would tell her that it is okay to be weak because I think inherently that, especially as black women and African women, we are raised to be too strong. And now you're in the faith and you feel like weakness is a sign of a lack of faith. Mm -hmm. But in my strong faith, I can still be weak because my weakness doesn't mean I don't believe in God. It means the fact that I'm weak means I have a stronger dependency on God. Because if I'm strong, God can't be my strength. I'm already lifted. God can't lift me. I would tell her it is okay to be weak because I, I, I felt like I had to be too strong. From a young age, it was, you know, toughen up. You've got to be strong. You've got to keep running. You've got to keep fighting. And she didn't need to keep fighting because God was fighting for her. The Bible says that the, the battle is the Lord's, but I was there as a battle axe trying to fight. And I would feel so tired and drained because I'm trying to, you know, trying to beat Goliath here and beat this. And I didn't need to because God is supposed to be the one that fights my battles. And I would just tell her to just give it to God because I think as young Black women, you're raised to be too strong. And then you come in the faith and you bring that strength. But the word of God says you've made the word of God of none effect because of your traditions. I was making the strength of God of none effect in my life because I was trying to be strong. You know, I think there's a lot of trauma we carry because we're taught this wrong mentality of strong, strong, but defining strength by the world standards and by our culture is different by from how the word of God defines strength. And I had to rediscover my weakness. And I only discovered weakness last year in October. And I wept. I wept from my childhood to now. I have never cried as much. And I felt free because I let the tears flow. You know, it's a, it was a peaceful time in my life where God was like, let it go. I want to take the burdens because I kept carrying everyone's burdens carrying my own burdens, carrying burdens from people I didn't even know. I'm on YouTube. People would ask me a lot of questions. I'd carry their burdens. Instagram DMs, carry their burdens. But it wasn't mine to carry, you know. And he says to lay aside every sin that easily besets us. But I kept telling myself, my shoulders are heavy from carrying everyone's weights. I wasn't meant to carry them, you know. So I would tell her, it's okay to let things go and just, just give it to Give it to the Holy Spirit. He's able to do it. You don't have the capacity to help everyone. Mm. Well, the 7 billion people and 8 billion people in the world, I can't help everyone, but he can. Yeah. You know, he created them. So that's what I would tell her. That is beautiful. That's a beautiful encouragement for anyone who's listening. 
So we are going to switch up gears for the conversation and enter a round of random questions. Don't overthink it. Whatever comes to mind, share. So. I like that. <laughs> when do you feel the most in control? Oh, do you know what? It's the opposite for me. I have always been in control. I've started since October to try not to be in control. I'm a very controlled person. So I, I control everything. Everything has to be, if you look at my desk, everything has a place at work. I put everything, you know, I've started to lose control. It's the little opposite for me. So I think I, instead of trying to be in control, or feel like I'm the most, I'm trying to stop and just, no, I, I don't control it. Let it go. If, if something drops, I just leave it. Whereas before I have to have everything perfect, you know, so that's the opposite for me that I try, I'm trying not to be in control. So nice. <laughs> nice. Would you rather have 10 hobbies or just one passion? one passion because I have a lot of hobbies I'm a I'm a creative person by nature I always say I get it from my dad but what is that saying that you're the master of none so I will start a project here start a project so I'd, I'd rather have one passion that I'm good at because 10 hobbies if you see how many projects I randomly have across the board it's like I've just learned to just say okay one at a time because yeah. my brain is 100 miles now all the time so one passion would be great <laughs> nice if you could interview anyone in the entire world who would you choose does the person have to be alive yeah no. <laughs> okay i would between paul apostle paul in the bible or kenneth e. hagan because i absolutely love kenneth e. hagan would be between those two can't pick <laughs> so you've mentioned two names that only certain circles would know those names um paul it was an apostle in the bible and who is kenneth hager you know what i i didn't know much right so i was, I was really trying to find people to explain the bible to me so i found kenneth e. hagan's books and i read i'm going back to reading all of them as I possibly can. But Kennedy Hagen and Smith Wigglesworth, they explained and broke down the scriptures. They are men of, oh, I call them the forefathers. You know, they called, I think they called Smith Wigglesworth the grandfather of faith or something like that. So I looked at these people and I said, if their lives have been tested, that means they're preaching the truth of God's word. So I went into, yeah, so Kennedy Hagen and Smith Wigglesworth, the books I started reading. You know, I don't know much of their personal life, but what I've read of their autobiographies and stuff like that, they've helped me to develop certain understandings of the basics of God's word. Yeah. Nice. And the last one of this round is, how do you want to be remembered? Oh, that's a beautiful question. I think I want to be remembered as someone who genuinely wanted to help people. Because I, I, I know I try not to be the Holy Spirit in people's lives, but I still, I believe that God put that desire to help people in me. So I don't want to take over his job, but I still want to help. So I think that's why YouTube, I dedicate my time as much as sometimes I want to just be, oh, I just want to give up. It's tiring. The editing and all that. But he's put it on my heart for a reason to help people that may not necessarily have access to it. So I would say I want to be remembered as someone who helped and genuinely wanted to help. 
even when it's not convenient. Yes, and you shall be remembered for that. So as we wind up our conversation, is there anything that you still want to share that's on your mind or heart? I definitely would say about purpose, because I, I really think the reason I was thinking about purpose the past few months is because I believe there's a generation that is going to walk in their purpose in these last and end times, these last days and end times, like never before. I was talking to the Lord the other day and I was just saying there's going to be a quickening, you know, because if the Lord is truly coming back soon, we might not have 10 years to fulfill our purpose but it can be 10 years in one. So I believe that God is going to cause this quickening. So it's no coincidence that we're talking about purpose. We're trying to discover our purpose. So I'm really praying for our generation that we'll see, and particularly with women, because that is my passion to see women walk in the fullness, the totality of their purpose in God. I believe this world will be shook up for Jesus when we all take up our mantle and really run our race you know, not looking back and not being hindered by, you know, our young age. I think it's Joash in the Bible. He was king at seven. So not looking at, I'm too young, you know, oh, I don't have this. I don't have that. Whatever we have is enough because God put it in our hearts. We just have to run, you know? So I'm, I'm really, I'm really excited to see what God's going to do in the next few years, but I know that it's going to be, it's going to be a quick work. That's what I'm confident of. That's what I keep hearing. My spirit is a quick work. I'm going to hold on to that because one of my prayers has been, Lord, let there be divine acceleration in what you're doing. What is done in years, let it be done in one year or in months. Mm -hmm. So how can people reach you? How can people get to watch whatever you're doing on YouTube or Instagram? God, so I am pretty much on every, I think every platform. I've just deactivated or not really not deactivated I haven't been on Twitter it's there but I don't go on it um, but I'm on TikTok I'm on Instagram I'm on YouTube I'm available as well for one of the things that I was telling you about was people asking me questions so I have my email and people will ask me for advice and we do sort of not necessarily counseling but guiding people to the right counsel and so I'm available on pretty much every app and I did this because God told me to do it because there was a need for people to be able to ask questions about the Bible that I didn't have when I was growing up in the faith. And so that's why God gave me these ideas to start this, you know, platform. So, yeah, I'm excited to, to kind of see, you know, more people asking questions. It's been happening the past few months, but yeah. Last but not least, uh, may God bless you. May God bless all that you're doing. And yeah, don't, what's what I'm looking for? Don't hold back. Keep doing what he's telling you to do. Continue being brave. And yeah, I look forward to seeing what he is doing in your life and through your social media platforms. I see that that was a blessing. I literally needed that word. So thank you. Thank you for that blessing. That word of blessing. That's it really touched my heart and I received everywhere. Thank you so much for having me. I could talk to you for hours. We could do this again and again every day because it's so easy to speak to you. And I know that, you know, whatever God is putting in your heart with this podcast, I pray that it goes global and everyone gets Amen. to hear it because this message needs to be heard. Amen. Mm -hmm.
So dear listeners and whoever is watching, thank you so much for tuning in. Just know change is okay and it's okay to embrace the discomfort that comes with change. So until the next episode, continue being brave. <laughs>